Annam, and you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour for Tuesday, March 24, 2015. On today's show, we talk about the recent drama in the YA book community that spun out of an interview given by author Andrew Smith, then led to ongoing harassment campaigns and abuse of YA authors and critics. Then we look at the media we've consumed in the past few weeks and talk about which books, shows and films made us happy. Lastly, we read and discuss Red Queens by Curtis J. Weeb. With me today to talk about all of those things is my fellow fangirl, Renee. Hello, Renee. Hey. How are you? I'm pretty great. Good. That's great. Do we have any business to talk about today? I don't think so. No? Uh, I did have something to talk about. I recently went to the US on a short trip. And one of the things that I did that, obviously, was to visit a couple of bookstores. And I think you'll be pleased to know that I visited a comic book store and I bought a copy of Miss Marvel. Yes. And uh, I'm going to read that soon. But the coolest thing about this, because there is nothing uh, new about someone going to a comic book store. Of course not. But the coolest thing was that when I bought that, the guy who sold that to me, he said that this was actually the best seller in the entire bookstore. And it is outselling by far everything else, and it has been doing so for many weeks. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that it's doing really well too. So I was very pleased, and I thought about you, and I think I'm going to reach that very soon. It's really fun. Fantastic. So we can get down to business. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Our small corner of the internet exploded on March 11th. After an interview with prestigious award-winning YA author Andrew Smith over advice started making the rounds on Twitter. The interview, amongst other topics, included a critical question about the portrayal of female characters in his books. His answer sparked a heated, to put it very mildly, conversation about sexism and privilege, which in turn morphed into this horrifying backlash for those who dared raise their voices to criticize him. Renee... Where do we even start with this one? I don't I've, know. <laughs> just, I've got to say, the past few days were head desk in central over at my house. I have so many words. I was going to say I have no words, but I actually have a lot of words. And I was going to ask you first, before we start, what's your policy on using swearing words? Because I feel <laughs> like I can't get through this segment without, like, chosen expletive. Feel free to just go wild. Go (laughs) hog wild. Oh my gosh, because what the fuck? What the fuck was all that? (sighs) So, okay, right. So I was there from moment zero. So I was there when I think it was Kelly Jensen from Book Riot and Stacked Books uh, that first started engaging with that interview. And I follow Kelly and I read her tweets and I ha- I read the interview. And I'm going to tell you that my first reaction was to think, oh no. And oh no, as in, oh, Andrew Smith, what it is that you're saying? Oh, Andrew Smith, no. Yes, kind of like, yes, that. I wasn't active in that first few hours. I was very busy at work. I did not have the spoon. So I did not have the spoons to engage and participate. I retweeted a couple of things. I retweeted, I think, um, the Tessa Gretton's Tumblr post. I think I retweeted the Sarah McCary's um, Storyfy. And that was that for me. Those first hours for me, following all of those people on Twitter, were all about engaging with the substance of what he said which was very sexist. 
and, and how he said it. And I also saw a lot of people criticize the interview question itself because in itself it also showed... Um, um, I think there was a point in the interview, not necessarily that question, where the interviewer at hand was just hand-waving the question of whether his his uh, the, the portrayal of male characters in his books were good or not. So basically it was something like, so this author writes uh, amazing books with terrible female characters, but this is okay because everything else is so good. There were also people engaging with that with that part of the interview, which then the the interviewer engaged with those and accept that his take was also privileged and sexist in a follow-up article that he wrote, which is, you know, what Andrew Smith could have done. So I went to bed. I woke up and everything else had changed. All of a sudden, all of those people who were engaging and criticizing the interview and the words were being accused of bullying the author. And all of a sudden, people who were protecting and defending the author were defending him on the basis on that he's a good person and his books are good and he's a teacher. And guess what? Because he's a teacher, he does more for kids. And and I'm, how did this conversation morph so quickly and so into something else that doesn't engage with the actual substance of the criticism for his words. And then and then people were being attacked. It was mind-blowing how the narrative was rewritten overnight. And then I got furious, and again I started to engage, and then I was just like, fuck everybody! <laughs> <laughs> no, because there were, there, were, there were people saying, oh, this is age this is not you are just you are just doing this for the spectacle you feminazis and i got so angry renee i got so angry i just i was like fuck anybody who thinks that criticizing his words and calling his words sexist is being for rage or <sighs> anyway yes now that i got this off my chest for a while so <laughs> how did you think well, disclaimer, I did not follow it from the beginning because I missed the first part. I missed the initial engagement. I came into it when the backlash, the backlash started. I saw the backlash first. And as soon as I saw the backlash, I was like, wow, the Y community stepped in it again. And the people who are in the right let the people who are being jerks take over the conversation. I see this all the time. All the this time. This reminded me of a video about racism, about discussing race, um, by Jay Smooth, who writes at illdoctrine.com. He made a video about this a few years ago, and I think there's a really good section that we should listen to. The most important thing that you've got to do is remember the difference between the what they did conversation and the what they are conversation. Those are two totally different conversations and you need to make sure that you pick the right one. The what they did conversation focuses strictly on the person's words and actions and explaining why what they did and what they said was unacceptable. This is also known as the that thing you said was racist conversation and that's the conversation that you want to have. The what they are conversation on the other hand takes things one step 
step further and uses what they did and what they said to draw conclusions about what kind of person they are. This is also known as the I think you are a racist conversation. This is the conversation you don't want to have because that conversation takes us away from the facts of what they did and the speculation about their motives and intentions and those are things you can only guess at, you can't ever prove and that makes it way too easy for them to derail your whole argument. Although this is about race, I really also think that it can be this type this mode of engagement can be really used for anything. It can be used for racism and sexism and homophobia and all these things. If you if you engage in this way, it makes it makes your life a lot easier. So I followed the conversation and I read some of these things and all I saw was they weren't having the what you did conversation. Everybody was having the what you are conversation. The the narrative got rewritten to be the second part, the part, the thing you don't want to do, that conversation you don't want to have. And the critics let the detractors derail it. Well, what could have that? I just, it was Well, so you ignored them. Like, you just... it, was, it was so overwhelming, Renee. It was just coming from everywhere. Everywhere. All, all corners of our, you know, little YA world. And then even people that don't even engage with the YA that much were chiming in. There is a huge thing from uh, Chuck Wendig wrote a blog post as well, you know. And it just went everywhere. And it just got overwhelmingly, like you said, about who Andrew Smith is. And even though people were, were saying that you were attacking him when we weren't, but then they made it personal by saying he's a good person. This is not how we engage a good person. It's, you know, a, a, a derailing tactic. It is a tactic that it's it's used to shut people down. And it's it's hard, I think, for me, it's hard to engage with that criticism or with, with that tactic because you end up feeling bad. I end up feeling bad because, you know, we are all good people as well, aren't we? Well, that's so, not the point. That's not that's not the conversation not, we're having. Okay, no, listen. I read all these links. I read so many of these links. I read so many disclaimers. I'm sure Smith is nice. I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure he's not X, Y, and Z. I'm sure he doesn't truly believe women are X, Y, and Z. I'm sure he didn't mean it how it sounded. So many disclaimers from this your side of the argument. Over and over. Those didn't need to be there. Dear YA community... If you critique someone, leave out who and what they might be. Don't bring it up. Don't ruin your argument and poison soil. Engage with the words and leave the personality stuff behind because your detractors are just waiting for you to mention it so they can take it and run. If someone comes at you with that nonsense, shut them down because this isn't about his personality. It's about what Andrew Smith said. You can signal boost other critics engaging with the actual facts. You can point out when people are derailing the conversation and then freeze them out if they keep trying because you're not all responsible for the feminist education of people determined to keep taking part in privileged systems. So the first time I watched Jay Smooth's video on this about the racism thing, this the way to have this conversation, it made every terrible conversation I had about racism and sexism 
transphobia, homophobia, 100% easier. Because when someone is engaging in that what they are conversation or attempting to derail the conversation using it, it can be a total time saver. They're either not aware and you can point it out. And if they balk, you know they don't have the critical capacity to engage on the topic yet. And you can easily walk away. You're not obligated to engage with those people because they're not going to listen to you. I don't. I don't know, Renee, because I, I am guilty of what you just said. So I wrote my own uh, answer to all of that, uh, or a recap with my own thoughts about it. And I did include a paragraph of I am sure. And don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I did. I did do that because do a lot because. They're waiting because, for you to do it, Anna. They're waiting for you. My, my, I did it because they had already started this. But that, so but I, that, had to, I had to. You didn't have to. That. No, you don't have to do that. They're derailing. And by giving, by acting like you have to say it, you're saying that their derailment ta- tactics, you're saying that your their derailment tactics are a valid criticism. They're not. They're a derailment tactic. They're a problem. They, you don't need to engage that way. You can just I, say, if you're trying to say he's a good guy or he's kind, you are derailing that, like, period. If, if somebody comes at you and says, oh, Andrew Smith is a nice guy, Andrew, Andrew Smith is a good teacher, Andrew Smith is XYZ, all you have to do is turn around and say, that's not the argument. You're derailing. Stop. Uh, that's it. So, well, I know. I know what you're saying, so, but it's so difficult, isn't it? I'm. No, I, it's not. I'm just... I mean, it's not easy, but... <laughs> I'm not it's saying not, it's easy. No. It's really hard. It's really but you hard. Have to, there were so many people, Renee. There were so many You have to plant people. yourself. You have to plant yourself at your position. And you just have to, you have to block them out. You have to entrench and not let that fly. And it's hard. And it's not a fun time. It's not, it's not a trip to the amusement park. But, like, then, but that's how the narrative gets rewritten. The other side... Treats that like it's a valid argument. It's just, and it's just, it was just everywhere. It was just, and then there was even a hashtag called Keep YA Kind, which is a silencing and tone policing technique as well. You know, a whole hashtag to protect the feelings of this one person. And coupled with, there was this one article that was being retweeted quite a lot as well, which was about call, call out culture. And how this call-up culture is sometimes uh, not useful because you should engage with the person more personally instead of doing it publicly. But it's it's difficult. I don't know Andrew Smith. How am I going to engage with him? And I'm going to send him an email? No. Plus, his interview was in public. It was a public interview. You know, used to as a marketing piece for his new book that is coming out. So it's out there, and it's out there. And it's saying something that is important for us to call out. And I think it is important to call those things out because it's just such a huge part of our YA and, you know, SFF and our culture as a whole that these sentiments that women are different and so inherently different from men and therefore, our stories are less valid, and you can't you 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 write less, fewer stories about women because of that. And it's just, 
it needs to be called out. It needs to be engaged with. And I think and I think that's what most people were doing. Of course, there were personal attacks. It's the Internet. And those are to be condemned. But again, it's if you use those as your point of criticism, that it is a derailing technique. It is. It's really hard when it's such an insulated community and you know everybody and you have people saying, oh, he's such a nice guy. Why are you doing this to him? And you feel like shit. <laughs> but you shouldn't feel like shit. They, you should turn around and make them, hold them accountable for t- t- making the conversation personal. Just turn around and be like, you're derailing the conversation. Stop it. That's it. Like, you don't need to feel bad. There's no reason to feel bad unless you've done something to feel bad about. And all the critics I read, like Tessa Gratton and Phoebe North, uh, Kelly Jensen from Stacked, I've read all these posts about these women, these really excellent posts that really engage with what he said and why it was a problem. And if this is bullying, if that if that's bullying, then... No. We don't know anything anymore. No. But we don't know. The, maybe we need a dictionary definition. <laughs> so a really telling part of this was one of the comments made in Vice. Um, there was a follow-up article in Vice. And it, there was a comment from a woman, um, another YA author, which I'm going to read because it perfectly encapsulates the blowback. It's a perfect example of how not to react to situations. So, uh, quote... He is a writer who writes boys and men as they are, not as we wish them to be. He is kind and generous, and the last thing from sexist. This entire Twitter dust-up was bullshit. Further, I'm feminist as fuck. If I thought Drew was being sexist, I'd probably tell him directly. But I don't think his comments to Vice were sexist. Okay, so. This is amazing, because she's managed to undermine herself. She talks about how he writes boys, which isn't the issue at hand. It's his statement on girls that dovetails with a historical sexist position on women. So that's derail number one. He's kind and generous, and the last thing from sexist is derail number two. In all the takedowns I read, no one called him sexist. They called his words sexist. So she's using the what they are framework. Then there's calling legitimate criticism bullshit. Not specifically a derail. But look how defensive that is. It's rooted in a place that says, no criticism, welcome. Which may as well be a flashing sign going intellectually disengaged. So, and just so you know that she's qualified to speak on this issue, she's as feminist as fuck. Like, she's a hardcore feminist who would speak truth to power to this dude if he truly needed it. But she can say it all she wants, you know. All these people can go, I'm a feminist and you're bullying Andrew Smith. And... Andrew Smith can say he's trying after spouting some sexist rhetoric, whether he was aware of it or not. And it's pretty to think that you're trying. It's pretty to think that you're a feminist. But what matters here is not statements of intent, but measurable action. So the actions of this specific author in speaking with Fife to defend Smith and of the people who launched Keep Why a Kind, tone policing wrapped in an overly sentimental Twitter hashtag, are rooted in systematic sexism. Sexism is a system. These people, whether they realize it or not, are engaging in the system. Calling yourself feminist as fuck doesn't and won't change your participation in the system. And that's my problem with the blowback. That whole comment, her whole comment just encapsulates everything the the blowback campaign did wrong. 
the entire follow-up post on Vice is full of that rhetoric, isn't it? Yeah. From it was just, and you know, I yeah. and Vice should have known better. I'm really ashamed of Vice. You're gonna you're going to print people rewriting a narrative that way. Really? I mean, I shouldn't be like disappointed if they're like a mainstream website. They're not gonna they're not gonna engage on any sort of social issue with any sort of nuance, no. but like, it was just shameful. Like it was shameful to like, you're going to print somebody calling somebody else, somebody else's legitimate criticism. Bullshit. Really? Really? No, guys? It was just everything was about it. And then the, 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 the defense of Andrew Smith, the person, the defense of the person, Andrew Smith is also one that says that he can say anything he wants and that's okay. And we accept his honesty for what it is. But then whenever any women or anybody tries to engage with the substance of what he's saying, they are not honest. They, they are not allowed to say anything that they want because they are bullies. It was just so frustrating. The whole thing was incredibly frustrating, enraging. I don't know. I, I was very disappointed with quite a few people. And I'm sure people were disappointed in me as well it's the it's the way these things are i have (laughs) i have no i have no dog in the fight like i'm not even in the Y community (laughs) so this whole situation like just looking at it as an outsider i was just like your side just fucked it up and let the, the let the other side rewrite the narrative because they and i see this multiple like i see this all the time when the Y community like has like a dust up the narrative always gets rewritten this way. They always it do does. it. And yeah. I don't know what it is about. And then it happens everywhere. It's not just the white community. And it's really hard to fight against. It is. But if it's just going to keep happening, everybody, go read every single video that Jay Smooth has made over how to talk about racism and sexism and other social issues. Watch all of them. Watch them multiple times. Read read some books on der- on how to defend against derailing arguments. Because you don't have to let these people rewrite your criticism and your history. So where do you think the Y community is going to go from here after this? Where do you think you're going to end up? Nowhere. Same place. There is no movement from this. It's, it's a cyclical conversation that always ends the same way. It's not going anywhere. I don't think there's going to be any change. I don't think there's going to be any different reaction to a similar situation. I don't think, I don't think so. I'm very cynical. I'm sorry. I've lost all of my optimism. It was horrible. This whole situation was horrible. Listen, I saw another YA author making this comparison, right? So the question asks him about female characters in his book and why are they so bad? And he says that he doesn't know anything about women. And women, as you know, are 50% of the population of this world. So then I've seen a YA author defending that position by saying that she had been asked in an interview about writing about Mormons. And she says that she doesn't write about Mormons because she doesn't know anything about them. And I and I'm thinking, but these are these two are not equivalent things. Why would you even make this comparison? Women are half of this world's population. And this this is what happened throughout this conversation. Things that were not equivalent were being 
compared derailing techniques, uh, attacks, vicious attacks. There was a whole hashtag made to protect the feelings of one male author. Mind you, if this had been a female author, I don't think the backlash would have been the same. I don't think there would have been a whole hashtag movement to protect the feelings of that person. I think that conversation would have gone very differently. I don't know. So I think, yes, we are not going anywhere. Do you think we are going somewhere that I don't know about? Considering that these problems and arguments in the white community uh, were the same when I left it in 2009 and it's 2015 now and you guys are still letting people derail you like this I I don't know good luck guys (laughs) I'm really sorry that people are jerks and don't know how to you know have intellectual critical discussions like adults they are so important you know we are talking about children's literature we're talking about teenagers and it's important to have those conversations and saying that we need to protect someone's feelings over it. I don't think that's relevant. Uh, links to the original interview as well as the essays and the articles discussed here will be included with our master posts when we publish this podcast. Explodey head warning for some of them. You have been warned. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Somehow, with almost a quarter of the way through 2015, when did this happen? So it's time to take stock of our media adventures so far this year. This week, we are looking back at what we've read and watched since January to discuss the things we enjoyed and what we liked about them. So I think the first thing that I'm going to talk about is this. I think it's a novella. It's called Elysium by Jennifer Marie Brissett. I've started hearing a lot of good things about this on Twitter, which is where I get most of my recommendations these days, really. Uh, It was all coming from the UK side of our um, fandom. So it was uh, Neil Harrison from uh, Strange Horizons, I think, was the first one that I saw talking about it. And it sounded really interesting. I thought people were being really excited about this novel. So I looked it up. And it sounded really interesting, and I bought it, and I started reading, and it just blew my mind away. It was a, it's a completely complete mind fuck of a novel, okay? So it starts with two characters, and they are named, um, I think it's Antoine, Adrienne and Anthony, if I'm not mistaken. It doesn't matter, because a few pages later, th- there is this story between them. They are a couple, they are fighting, he's leaving her. And then all of a sudden there is kind of a, like in the middle of a page, there is a, a code, a computer code. And it's kind of weird. And it, it just comes out of nowhere. And you don't know what's happening. Next thing you know, the story restarts and the name of the characters are different. And this time it's Antoine and Adrian and they are a gay couple and one of them is dying and then again the computer comes and it changes again and it it keeps happening like this the story has several starts always picking up from where it left off but with some differences and it's always an iteration of Anthony Antoinette Adrian and Adrienne names and different couplings is sometimes are lesbian sometimes are gay couple sometimes it's just um, a head couple sometimes they are father and daughter sometimes they are father and son sometimes they are siblings and it's 
fascinating because, and then the world around them is kind of changing as well and you and you see that there is a war somewhere happening but you don't know what the war is and then all of a sudden aliens okay so <laughs> i was reading this book and i was like okay yeah i'm gonna read that now i'm definitely gonna read this <laughs> suddenly aliens okay it's fucking awesome i loved it so that was the first thing i read it a couple of weeks ago and i'm still thinking about it what about you well, I'm going to bring it down to a classy level here now after that <laughs> recommendation. Earlier this year, I watched Camp Dakota, which is a film uh, starring the YouTube celebrities, I guess. Hannah Hart, Grace Helbig, and Memory Hart. I, I really like them as comedians. They're really funny together. I really am super into camp stories. Like, I used to, like, I spent a lot of my childhood, like, watching and rewatching Salute Your Shorts. If you don't know what Salute Your, you don't know what Salute Your Shorts is, do you? No. I do not. No. Uh, well, maybe don't look that up, because it's a shame to me, but I love that show. It was on Nickelodeon when I was a kid. It was so good. Uh, but I love camp stories, even though I've never been to camp. But Camp Dakota is, is about, um, a woman who, has a job and a husband, not a husband, but a fiance, and everything starts going wrong in her life, and she ends up back at the camp that she spent a lot of time in as a camper when she was younger, and her friends are still there, and they have to work to save the camp, and it's really, it's like a really cute friendship story, and if you like stories about female friendship and, like, cute little romances or whatever, I really think that this is, like, a film to check out. Because it was just really heartwarming. And I really... It's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just really... It's just a really cute little story. And I really think that um, the three actresses are pretty pretty great. <laughs> I, like, I like their comedy. I like their, I like their YouTube videos. But I also really like them as actors, apparently, as well. So, highly recommended. Uh, my next one is another book. And it's called Bone Gap by Laura Ruby. <laughs> no, no, I haven't read it. But I went to the library the other day, and my my while I was going home, and she was like, "Oh, it's you." She's like, "Just because it's you." She's like, "All the new books are over there on that thing waiting to be shelved. You can check it out if you want." And so I went over there and I looked, and Bone Gap was there, and I checked it out. <laughs> yeah, my while I brain it's amazing. Loves so me. I, I think it's. Probably the best book I've read so far this year. Oh, wow. Yes. And uh, it's very different, and it's kind of like of a fairy tale. And I'm seeing some people calling calling it magical realism, but there is a firm fantasy element in which one of the characters goes to the actual underground, uh, underworld, sorry, underground, underworld. So it's everything, most of it is from uh, the point of view of a character named Finn. He's a boy, he's a 17-year-old, I think. He lives with his brother in a small town called Bone Gap. It starts right in the middle of the story, say. His friend uh, called Rosa, who is a Polish immigrant, uh, she came out of nowhere. No one knows where she came from. She came, she became friends with him and his brother. She fell in love with his brother. But then she disappeared. She disappeared in front of Finn's eyes. And, but she was actually taken by someone. He saw that person, but he cannot describe the person who took her. And I'm not going to say why, because it's spoilery, but that there is an element there that is part of his story. And the thing is, he's been trying to cope with that and with 
why won't people believe him and why can't she describe the person who took him? And there is also a love story between him and another girl and who thinks herself very ugly. This Rosa, who disappeared, is, is very beautiful and she was taken because she was very beautiful. So the book deals a lot with the concept of beauty and what it does to women in, in, in context of our society. And, and then there are chapters from Rosa's perspective as well, as well from other characters. It's a very beautiful, it's beautifully, beautifully written. And it's, I, I don't want, I just, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil this. Don't spoil because, me. Yeah. Don't because do it. The, the journey is, is so incredible. And then you reach the end and everything comes in place. And there is a lot of, um, and Rosa is amazing. There's a lot of, there, there's this element of saving yourself and being saved by your friends. And there is a lot of friendship there and a beautiful love story, not between the people that most people in the town think. It, it's, it's just amazing. And it's a YA novel and it's out just now. And it's the best book I've read so far this year. You next. So my next thing is an action movie. <laughs> I'm going to get like it's so judged. <laughs> White House Down, starring uh, Channing Tatum and Jimmy Fox. <laughs> Listen, I thought this movie was just like total like action fluff. I didn't think anything about it. Then I watched it and I realized that it's actually <laughs> the hero narrative in this movie actually follows the young girl that plays the daughter of Channing Tatum's John Cale. So the whole movie is basically about uh, the White House getting taken by terrorists who, interestingly enough, were just white dudes. I thought that was nice. Good job, movie. And and they called them terrorists, and that doesn't ever happen. <laughs> People never call white dudes a terrorist. So the terrorists take the White House, and it's about Channing Tatum getting Jamie Foxx's character, who plays the president, out of the White House. And there's a sad story about the daughter and how she basically saves the day. It's wonderful there are a lot of diverse characters in this movie i just did like there's women in important roles uh black black men in important roles all the bad guys are wild white dudes and <laughs> like, you know cheney tatum everything uh, yeah i guess is, everything is made better with cheney tatum yeah sure i guess yeah i guess so <laughs> I'm I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still new to the Channing Tatum fan club. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, anyway, it's, I mean, obviously, it's not really a deep-thinking movie, but it's really entertaining, and I really liked it. I actually really liked the movie as well, so there's that. Yeah, so, okay, you're next. Okay, so next is a TV show called uh, The Middleman, and The Middleman was a short-lived series that, aired for 12 episodes on ABC Family in 2008. It's kind of like Firefly. Do you remember Firefly? How terrible that was. Like, I mean, it was amazing. It was terrible that it only aired like for 13 episodes. Anyway, so it's kind of like created this cult following and I had not heard of it until very recently when I had um, lunch with a friend and she was just talking about it. And basically it's about a young artist called Wendy Watson 
who is played by this fabulous young actress called Natalie Morales. So, you know, huge points for diversity there. And so uh, Wendy is recruited by a secret agency to become a middleman in training. And um, this happens solely because um, she's working at this temp office and uh, or a temporary job. And this office is attacked by monsters and she's completely unfazed by it. She's just like, you know, Ah, yeah, monsters. Okay, whatever. So when the middleman comes to save the day, he sees her reaction. He says, well, you know what? She would be a great middleman. And the thing about this series is that is the cheesiness of its storylines. They are so much fun. And there is this snappy dialogue. And the characters are super geeky. And there are lots of internal jokes and references to Star Trek, Star Wars, all sorts of amazing pop culture thing. And the best thing is that the central relationship is between Wendy and her roommate and best friend Lacey, who is possibly the most adorable best friend on screen that I have ever seen. Yeah, only 12 episodes. Oh no. I know. It was so good. They are all available on YouTube. So what about you? Next. I complained that short fiction was depressing. And there was not a lot of opti- like optimistic uh, short fiction out there. And really, I've I mean I haven't read tons of short fiction this far so far this year, but I've read quite a quite a few pieces, and they're all just real downers, <laughs> like just misery or melancholy or sadness and depression. And I'm just like I feel depressed now. <laughs> I need something happy. So I like so I I put that out there that I really liked optimistic stuff, and several people. Wrecked me a few pieces. Cecily uh, wrecked Cat Pictures, Please, by Naomi Kritzer in Clark's World. And this short piece of fiction, it's a short story, it's only like 3,400 words long, is adorable. I read it like three times, and every, like I just, like, I ended like the third time with my, like, like, my hands pressed to my cheeks going, this is so cute! And I wrecked it on Twitter, I'm like, everybody read this, this is adorable! And I really liked it because it's about an AI who is not evil. Because I have a lot of problems with the way that AI is portrayed as, you know, evil in media. I want more stories with happy, friendly AI. Like Jarvis, who I... <laughs> who, like, if somebody asked me, like, who is your favorite character in the Iron Man movies, uh, I'm gonna be like Jarvis. Oh, man, Jarvis... <laughs> But yeah, Cat Pictures, Please is really adorable, and everybody should check it out. My next one is a movie, and it's a movie that came out last year, I think, here in the UK. It's a, it's a British movie. It's called Pride, and it's about a group of gay activists uh, who work together uh, to help minors during a super long strike in the summer of 1984. So it's a historical piece. And, you know, and it showcases how this, um, these activists um, decided to help these suffering people and how they were accepted or not by, you know, these are minors in really tiny towns in the middle of nowhere, England and Wales. So you can imagine uh, the homophobia that sometimes these people would face as well, even though they were trying to help them. So it's really good because it, it's actually a really a feel-good, uplifting story, and it has an incredible 80s soundtrack, and I know that's not near or 
here or there, but it's it's a huge part of the movie. And then you get to the credits, and you know it's when it's that bit when they tell you what happened to the real people, and it just can picture me ugly crying, right, on my flight with the attendant worried that something had happened to me somehow <laughs> in the middle of the plane because I was sobbing out loud. Anything. So everybody's fantastic in it, including um, Dominic West, Bill Nye, and Imelda Staunton. And you also have Andrew Scott, a.k.a. Sherlock Moriarty. And he is amazing in it. And it's just, it's, it's, a, it's, it's such a good movie. And, and everybody hates Margaret Thatcher. So that's, you know, <laughs> bonus, bonus points. So, yeah, highly recommended. I have another piece of short fiction. So last year, Strange Horizons did a fun drive, like they normally do, and one of the pieces that were, like, bonus, like, when they got to a certain level, was Anne Leckie's She Commands Me and I Obey. I mean, in theory, I think it's set in the the same universe as Ancillary Justice and Ancillary Sword, but it's, it's way different. Like, it's not, you don't have to know those, you don't have to know those books to read the story and really enjoy it. It's really... It's about a young, I guess, acolyte in this religion, and they're having, like, an election, and the way the election is decided is that two teams play a game, and uh, apparently the winner, like, the, the loser, the losing captain of the team is sacrificed. Like, I don't it's been a little while since I read it, it's been a few weeks, but I, when I did read it, I, like, I read it once, and I went back and I read it again, I'm like, this is great! And, because it was just really interesting, it's about power and the and the ability to, to initiate change and choice. And I really highly recommend the story. My next one's a short one, a short recommendation as well, because it's just a video. It's a YouTube video. After I watched Pride, there is this song that stuck to my head. And it's an 80s song. It's called Love and Pride by King. And apparently it was huge in England. It, it seemed very familiar to me, but I don't I, I don't know if, if, if I heard it in brazil growing up i don't know but then i found the video on youtube and it's kind of a glorious video because it's full of androgynous people dressed extravagantly doing surreal things they have no explanation for and you know it's a typical 80s video and it's just such a good tune and i kept playing it non-stop for days and i almost kind of like lost my partner over it because he couldn't take it anymore torture i know i tend to do that when i like i'm not huge into music i don't listen to a lot of music and when i do i end up being obsessed with one song and i play it over and over and over again non-stop for days and that's then totally I me yeah i do then that i get sick of it yeah 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 Yay, high five <laughs> Right, so your last recommendation? Is a book. I read it in January, and I reviewed it, actually, uh, to much, uh, like, fanfare and, and, like, rape threats. Thanks a lot, dudes. Um, City of Stairs by Robert Jackson Bennett. It's a fantasy novel that came out last year. A lot of people were like, this is groundbreaking. I, well, okay, I guess. It's, it's really entertaining. I think it's, uh, it kind of uses an Eastern perspective. Like, there's analogs to people from like Russia and India like the the two the two sides or whatever 
it's a political novel and it's about a spy who goes into the, a country to solve a murder. The relationships between the women are great. The partnership between the main character and her huge, like, hulking sidekick is excellent. I really love, I really love this book. It does uh, have uh, one big problem for me, which is how it handles the homosexual character. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm just going to say there's an issue with the homosexual character in the book. Uh, there feels like some there's some tokenism happening and some problematic stuff that goes on. And that's sort of like if I was going to like do a, like a whole rating thing and be like, okay, you just lost a star, dude. <laughs> Uh, but that's like as far as I can go because I just really <laughs> love this book. I, I cry, like got ugly cry. <laughs> in this book, it was just not. It was it was serious. I agree. I com- I agree. I second your recommendation as well as your criticism. So all the media consumed by us is available somehow, and we will make sure to list them and uh, include all the links you need to be able to consume all of them should you need to. All right. Next. Rat Queens is an ongoing fantasy comic series written by Curtis J. Weeb, published by Image Comics, featuring Elven Mage Hannah, the Dwarven Warrior Violet, the Atheist Human Cleric D, and the Hippie Huffling Thief Betty. Rat Queens follows the team of four wild, foul-mouthed women adventurers as they drink, fight, and snark their way through a gorgeously rendered full medieval fantasy setting. So I think we both read this quite recently. Yeah, really recently. Today, today. (laughs) The last two days where I stretched it as long as I possibly could because I loved it and didn't want it to end. I loved it as well. So I came to it um, through a post on your blog. It was a guest post by memory. And she was talking about, she made a compilation of recent comics that she had read. And I thought that sounded so cool. I immediately bought it. So well done. And, um, but, and, thank, you, and you forced it. You like, and you forced it on me. <laughs> like we're reading this. On, you're welcome. <laughs> yes, thank so, you very much. It's great. <laughs> thank you for your it initiative. Great, right? It is great. Yes, I loved it. Why did you love it? Friendship between the characters. Yes. I, I mean, I read. I read for character. And from the very beginning, the very first issue in, in the volume, it's really clear that these women are excellent friends and they trust each other and they're loyal and the friendship between them is fantastic and it continues through the whole thing it's a thread through the whole volume it was lovely and heartwarming like when they're yelling at each other i was just like ah friendship i loved it (laughs) like there's it's so like i mean it can be hard in some kind in some types of media to find stories about women who are friends right Who, who just love each other and are best friends and Especially just, in fantasy, like, it's a, and, it's a challenge. Who just, who just like to hang with each other and have each other's backs and, you know, go out drinking and then eventually destroying the whole town. But that's not, you know, not a point that we want to make right now. Um, but yes, I completely agree. And this is why I loved the, the graphic novel as well. And the fact that they were, you know, constantly fighting with each other as well. It's just like it's not all perfect harmony all the time. But then there is one moment when one of them gets hurt and then shit gets real, man, with one of them goes ballistic, right? Mm-hmm. And so just to defend her friend. And then, yes, it was lovely, even though it's all about these women being, you know, 
killing people and being really gross, which is actually really cool. I love when <laughs> women are gross. Because yes. I'm, I'm like, I am super gross. Yeah, me too. Okay? Like, yes, thank you. Thank you guys for like, yep, women can be gross like, too. This is, this is real people. Okay? Real people. From here on <laughs> out, it's going to be spoilers, I think. Because I want to talk about some specific things that happened. Um, okay. So if, if you haven't read it, go and read it and then come back. The friendship element, there was a moment where Betty goes to talk to somebody she likes and takes her flowers and says, I really like you. And the person blows her off. She's, she's like, your friends reflect who you are. And I, I can't bring that drama into my life. And Betty's like, fuck it. <laughs> and she doesn't go and tell her friends and make them feel bad about it. But she just she just doesn't. She's like, people are just terrible. And I thought that was really, really lovely. Like, she's not going to... Sell her friends out. Yeah. Because, because they're her friends. Yes, exactly. And I just thought, oh, I love this. Betty, you're so great. I actually... Uh, re- Hannah is my favorite character. I, I am torn. I actually really like all of them. I, know, well, I mean, it's hard, right? But yeah, Hannah's yeah. my favorite. How cool is Violet as well? Violet, yeah. like, has a... She used to have a beard. And she says she's going to grow it back and i think i hope she does anyway and d as do you know what else i liked i liked that all of them had backstories mm-hmm. and they were like inserted sometimes subtly sometimes quite in your face it's fine and it's kind of it's really self-aware as well because then there is this moment when betty and d are sitting waiting for someone and then d is telling her her backstory and then Betty's like, so why are you telling me this right now? And she says, I thought it was going to be a good moment. And it's like, you know, very self-aware that it's just like a needful dumpy kind of backstory. Let me tell you about my past. But it kind of really worked because of how the characters interact with each other. So, yes, and they are really interesting as well. So Dee has the whole thing with her mom, her family, and her religion. And uh, Violet has the whole thing with the twin brother and, and turning her back on, on the dwarf society I guess we don't know yet so we're gonna find out there's a thing about her sword right she loves her sword and what about the taglines that she comes up with they are the terrible they are terrible they're great <laughs> they are amazing but terrible they're amazing but terrible yeah <laughs> yes. and uh, I also like Tana she's amazing and I liked her relationship with Sawyer as well Sawyer was great I yeah I actually didn't expect to like him that much but then you know you get you get in and to to the to the novel and you see that he has this relationship with hannah that's really kind of complicated because of her uh inability to handle polite so polite society and his status as the i guess he's the captain of the guard is that is that yes he's the captain of the guard yes and they are terrible people who well they're not terrible people but they are kind of like go around getting drunk and destroying the whole time yes i guess so the, the guess yeah there's the, a case to be made against them the, the basic plot is about them um going out on a, a quest which is really like trap yeah a trap and all they go out with several other teams and all it's all a trap for all the teams, and several teams don't get to come back, which was sad. But which was really sad because there was this team called Obsidian Darkness, <laughs> and they were all emo characters, and I just they wanted were... to see more of all them. the goths. Yeah, they killed why, the goths. Why can't we get the goths? I love the goths, but there is another one called Brother Pony. Yeah, they, they are all 
four gigantic men called the Brother Ponies. And they, yeah, and they, 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 they bit it too. As, oh, yes. But we have the four days left in some of the beaches. The beaches were amazing as well. The plot circles around them trying to solve the riddle of who basically required the hit on all these mercenary groups. I thought it was really well handled. Excuse me, not really mercenary. They are adventurers. <laughs> it depends on your perspective, I think. That's because <laughs> I think depending on where, where you're standing, mercenary, adventurer, yeah, who knows? Depends <laughs> on who you ask and if the if the Rat Queens have pissed them off recently. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really... Bernadette, who is only 38, my age, by the way, 39, and is called Old Lady Bernadette, poor girl. So great. I did like that there was that they made the the villain a, a woman too. I thought that was really yeah. well, sort of. There was there are technically apparently multiple villains as the end yes. of the volume shows us, and apparently we're going to learn more about Sawyer, yes, his past, yes, coming up soon. I just thought tasty, it was really interesting. A, a tasty morsel of Sawyer. I liked that. Thank you. Yeah. So I mean, and so often you just get you you know you get. You get like one type, one or two types of female characters, but in here, all most of the important characters are women, and it's great. Oh, oh my God! How much do you, do you love Dee? And she like she's terrible um, in public. And there was this party, and everybody was partying, and she's like, "I'm just gonna sit here with my book because my book doesn't talk back to me, and I'm okay, I'm okay like this." <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's me. That's- I- me. At a party. I'm just going to have this book. I mean, it's going to be like on my phone or my iPad, but it's going to be a book and I'm going to be reading yes. it. No, it was really, it was really great. I'm actually considering, uh, I'm going to force this on Zach. I'm going to make him read the first volume and then maybe we can just add it to our pull list, the comic shop, so we get the individual issues. Because I really, because I mean, like, I think there was a gap in the comic itself because the first volume has, um, an artist rock up church and I'm pretty sure that there was a gap because he got fired because he got arrested for domestic violence of some some kind. Oh my god. And they had to hire a new artist. Which was the most I knew about Rat Queens before reading it. And so there's been like a gap and I think it's just recently come back in February with a new artist. So okay. I think that because it because there was a gap there, if Zach likes the first volume, he might be convinced to put it on our pull list so we can follow it issue to issue. Instead of waiting for the volume, because I really want to know like what happens next. I love, yes. I love this comic. It's great. Well, I went. I, I actually pre-ordered volume two, and it says May, so it's oh, not, so not too, too far away. That's nice. But in May, I'm going to be emotionally destroyed by Captain America, so we'll see. <laughs> Maybe that will be a big, big you up. Who knows? I have to have a together? lot. Of, I have to have a lot of feelings about Steve Rogers in, in May, so I'm, I'm booked. I'm booked up. <laughs> The art was really good, I thought, since, since we since I talked about the art. And no, it's very it's very beautiful. The it's like... yeah, the expression like the the facial expressions and also the way like the complete like gore and blood and stuff. No, it's it's amazing. There is this there is this scene well it's not it's like a it, it's it's an introductory panel, it's not part of the story, but it's still it's a really cool one where they are all sitting, having tea completely covered in blood <laughs> yes. and it's it's kind of like adorable but you know you can't help but to notice that they are covered in it's blood disturbing and super cute at the same time yes. which is not something that you thought you would pair together no. but no 
You haven't no. read White Rat Queens, apparently. Cause, no, yes. yes. I, I, yeah, I thought it was great. I, I, was, I was very happy with it. I was happy reading it, so that's great. It's kind of, I'm really happy to be fangirling over this one. Yes. It's like complete fangirl. Rat Queens Volume 1 collects issues 1 to 5 and is available now from your retailer of choice. Recommendation time. Renee, you are up first. What do you have for us this week? Yesterday on Bustle, I read an article about a speech that Anita Sarkeesian gave. Um, the speech was, the title of the speech is like, what I couldn't say. She goes into some of the harassment that she's been suffering from in the last three years. The abuse, the death threats, the rape threats because of her work uh, on video game criticism. It's a really stark but excellent look at some of the ways that women get silenced online and in life in general. Uh, the first the first part was that, that made me watch the video. They quoted a bit. The quote that took me into the, the video. What I couldn't say is fuck you to the thousands of men who turn their misogyny into a game in which gendered slurs, death, and rape threats are weapons used to take down the big bad villain, which in this case is me. My life is not a game. I've been harassed and threatened for going on three years with no end in sight. And all because I dared to question the obvious, self-evident sexism running rampant in the games industry. I watched this in the car, actually, when we were on the way to get dinner, and I was just... I got goosebumps, and I teared up, and it's just really affecting. The What she goes through must be horrible. I can't even imagine what she must suffer through on a day-to-day basis. So, and I really highly recommend watching this video. So that's mine. What do you have this week? Well, I found a new Tumblr that I'm completely in love with. It's, uh, it's called Charmingly Antiquated, and it's run by Sam, a young artist who posts short stories in comic format. They are beautifully drawn and feature LGBT characters of color, and most of them, in most of them, and they are so good and so adorable. And like, the, there is one, I think the first one that I saw is called, was called A Little Love Story About Mermaids and Tattoos. And it's just, it, it is the, it's the cutest thing, and the art is beautiful. So I really, yeah, I really recommend those. Awesome. Uh, so that's it from us today so Renee thanks for talking with me this week no problem uh, you can find links to some of the things we discussed today at fangirlhappyhour.com or our tumblr at fangirlhappyhour.tumblr.com you can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com or find our twitter feed at fangirlpodcast for both myself and Renee thanks for listening and see you next episode